You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. series right now that we've been calling So Help Me God. And one of the things that we've been focusing on is just all of the different areas and challenges that we have in life, all the ways that uh, all of us need help. And not just anybody's help, but areas where we really need God's help. And we started this series off talking about So Help Me God with Me. Because Believe it or not, the biggest problems that we have in life are not other people, it's us. And so we started with, so help me God with me because I am the biggest problem I have. You are the biggest problem you have. And oftentimes we kind of deceive ourselves into thinking it's other people. Uh, If it wasn't for other people, I wouldn't be this way. And the truth of the matter is, is we are our our biggest obstacle. We are our biggest enemy. And so the first place that we got to start in asking God for help is with ourselves. God, help me with Jeff. And it's interesting, once I get God's help in dealing with me, then I'm able to maybe start helping you. It's interesting, in uh, Psalm 51, this is the prayer that David writes after his sin with Bathsheba. And he writes this prayer. And part of his prayer, I want you to listen to what David is asking God for. He says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. He's, he's not asking for anybody else. He's saying, God, I need your help. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your spirit, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me restore to me. Again, he's asking God, God, do this in me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. David is saying, God, I need help with me. And that's what his prayer is about. And then listen to what it says in verse 13. After David says, create a clean heart in me, renew a steadfast spirit in me, restore the joy of my salvation. And he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways. See, oftentimes we want to start by correcting everybody else when we need to start with correcting ourselves. We want to help other people, but we got to start with us. And when we start with us, when we receive God's help with us, then it enables us to really be a blessing and a help to others. Second area that we talked about was, so help me God with worry. All of us worry, and we worry about different things. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our family. We worry about our finances. We worry about our government. We worry about our our cities, uh, we worry about things that are happening in our culture. All of us worry about things. And, and so there's just times where we need God to help us in that area of worry. And we kind of talked about that oftentimes we just need to learn how to 
You know, uh, take our worry and turn it into worship. That when we worship God, again, when we're magnifying God, when we're making God bigger than the things that are worrying us, those things that are worrying us tend to kind of get smaller and smaller and eventually just kind of fall to the wayside. So God helping us with worry by helping us learn how to worship him. The third area we talked about last week was temptation. All of us are tempted. Every one of us face temptation on a daily basis. It's normal. It's a part of being human. Jesus was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. And incredibly, Jesus shows us how to be able to not just deal with temptation, but how to be victorious over it. And so we talked about what worked for Jesus in dealing with the devil there in the wilderness and overcoming that temptation. What worked for Jesus will work for us. This morning, I want to talk about another area that we all struggle in and where we need God's help, and that is in the area of anger. I did research and found some very interesting facts and information regarding anger. And I found that the average man loses his temper about six times a week, whereas a woman loses her temper on the average of three times a week. Now, I don't know if the man losing his temper three times more than the woman has to do with women, uh, but again, it's an interesting question. So men tend to lose their temper on average of six times, whereas women three times a week. Women get angry more often at um, people, whereas men get angry more at things, which is interesting. You know, flat tires, machines, uh, stripped screws, a dull razor. You know, women get more angry at people, men get more angry at things. Single adults express twice as much anger as married adults. Uh, men tend to be more physical with their anger than women. And the home is the most likely place where our anger will manifest. And finally, anger is most frequent and intense towards those we love rather than strangers, which is interesting. We're going to talk about this a little bit more this morning is that anger is controllable. The point is we all get angry. We just get angry in different ways. There's a saying that goes, to dwell above with those we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with those we know, that's a different story. Amen. Again, anger, again, like temptation, it's a very normal human reaction. And every one of us experience anger at some level. Even Jesus got angry. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it says over 375 times that God got angry. Paul says in Ephesians 4.26, he says, in your anger... Or it'll say, be angry, but just don't sin. So Paul kind of acknowledges that there is a godly, a healthy way to express anger 
and to deal with that that is not gonna lead us into sin. In other words, there's a right way to get angry and a wrong way to get angry. There's a righteous way to express anger and an unrighteous way to express anger. There's a way for anger to manifest that is godly and honoring God and, and a way for that to manifest that dishonors God and dishonors other people. So the goal today is not how do I get rid of my anger and never be angry again. That is unrealistic. But rather, how can I express my anger in ways that are not destructive, ways that are healthy and godly and do not lead to sin? Now, again, there's four ways that people commonly express anger. And again, I want to emphasize these are learned responses. The way we respond in anger, we have learned somewhere from someone, whether that be our parents, our spouse, our friends. It may even be television or other things in our culture. All of us have learned how to express anger. And so I want to just give you the four most common, uh, typical responses of anger and see if you can maybe find yourself in one or maybe a very variation and combination of these four. The first type of angry person is what we call the maniac. And it's, it's what it sounds like. He or she is a person that just explodes. They are a walking time bomb. They kind of have this hair trigger temper. There's just something about their anger when it's expressed. It is just completely out of control. When they get angry, I mean, they just let it rip. They just let it fly um, and they're cussing, they're yelling, they're stomping, they're throwing things, throwing a temper tantrum. I mean, they are like a powder keg that just went off. Now, a great biblical example of this type of person, the maniac, is Cain, who also, uh, you know, not uh, too you know, hard to understand, also became known as the first murderer in the Bible. And in Genesis chapter uh, four, verses five and eight, it talks about how furious Cain uh, became uh, and, and he, scripture says, scowled in anger. And while they're in the field, you remember, Cain becomes so angry that he kills his brother, Abel. And that's, that's the type of person, the maniac. There's someone who just explodes, and then they'll immediately regret their anger. They may be embarrassed. They may regret what they did or said. Again, they apologize. Uh, they're filled with shame. And again, we all know people uh, who kind of uh, react in anger in that way. That's the maniac. Second type of angry person is called the mute. Now, they're kind of the exact uh, opposite. They're the other extreme of the, the maniac. They're kind of the silent type. They're the ones that kind of hold it all in. They clam up instead of blowing up. They don't reveal their feelings. They deny they're angry. They'll downplay it. They'll pretend they're not mad, and they will not admit 
admit or own up to their anger. And so the mute oftentimes will kind of conceal or cover over how they really feel. And they kind of just become almost a crockpot version um, of the maniac. They're kind of just simmering and they're stewing on the inside. This type of person, uh, the, the mute, they're oftentimes susceptible to high blood pressure, to ulcers, to headaches, to back aches, all kinds of things. And, and all kinds of illness can kind of really be traced back to this kind of person, the mute. As a matter of fact, Dr. F.I. McMillan, he authored a book, and it was called None of These Diseases. And in it, he listed 51 different types of illnesses that can be caused by and traced back to bottled up anger being emotionally upset and just kind of holding all of that in. A good example, a good biblical example of this kind of person, the mute, is the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah chapter 15, verses 17 through 18, Jeremiah's talking here, and listen to what he says. I stayed by myself. In other words, I isolated myself and was filled with anger. And he says, why do I keep on suffering? Why is my stomach incurable? Why are my wounds incurable? Why won't they heal? And Jeremiah is uh, basically saying, I'm holding all of this anger and frustration on the inside and it's killing me. Have you ever heard anyone say, that burns me up? And again, they're right. It's not so much what you eat that counts, but what is eating you on the inside that's more important. And oftentimes, it is that um, unacknowledged, um, undealt with anger. So you've got the maniac, the mute. The third type of angry person is what we call the martyr. Now, the martyr is really a pro at pity parties. This is someone who is self-punishing. Um, they are self-deprecating. They're passive. Oftentimes when somebody gets angry as a martyr, they'll say things like, it, it must be my fault. What is wrong with me? Their favorite phrases are, I should, I must, I have to, I ought to. The number one sign often of a person um, who is a martyr is depression. Oftentimes, depression can really be a sign uh, of someone who is a martyr in the way they're, they're dealing with their anger. Depression is just internalized anger uh, most of the time. Anger internalized, anger that's unresolved, eventually will manifest itself in depression. Now, again, a great example <clears throat> of the martyr um, is the prodigal son. Callie, could you please get me a thing of water. I'm, my voice is, <clears throat> I should have brought one up here and I didn't even think. And I know you know where the water is and not the stuff out of the baptism. <laughs> 
She knew that. I was just giving her a hard time. So again, someone that's a great example. Thank you so much. Someone that's a great example of the martyr um, is the prodigal son in Luke 15. Remember, uh, he comes home and he hears this party, this celebration that's happening, and he calls one of the servants out and says, what's going on in there? Remember they said that that lost son, that lost brother, he's now been found, and your father is celebrating by giving him a party. And in Luke 15, 28, it says the elder brother, when he heard this, it says he was so angry. He would not even go in to the party. So his father goes out and begs him and entreats him to come in and to celebrate with him. The problem with the martyr is he makes everybody else miserable. So you've got the maniac, the mute, the martyr. The fourth final type of angry person is what we call the manipulator. The manipulator, they're kind of the Lee Iacola, uh, Iacocca version of anger. And it was interesting, I saw that Lee Iacocca died not uh, too long, maybe like a week or two um, ago. How many of you remember when he was fired from Ford? Anybody remember what he said? He said, I don't get mad, I get, and he did. That is the manipulator. The manipulator's approach is often the, the plot. It is the narrative in most television shows. I will figure out a way. I will plot. I will plan a way to get you back. They retaliate oftentimes in very un, uh, underhanded ways through sarcasm. You know, sarcasm, a lot of times, it's just, again, it's anger that is just, you're, you're, you're veiling anger when you're using sarcasm. You're mad about something, and rather than acknowledge and deal with that, you'll just become sarcastic with people. Um, you'll see it through jibes and indirect um, contact. The, uh, a manipulator, there's someone who will kind of burn your toast and then act like it was an accident. They'll, they'll constantly make you late uh, for things. They'll forget things that you told them, or they'll tease you, and they'll say things that are very, very hurtful, and then they'll just simply say, oh, I didn't mean that. Can't you take a joke? That's the manipulator, and that's oftentimes how that anger will manifest itself. Now, get this. Religious people often choose this form, the manipulator response of anger, because they think it's more spiritual than exploding. So oftentimes, religious people will resort to this type of approach um, in dealing uh, with anger because it looks a lot better than just exploding. A good example of this uh, type of person in the Bible is the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the high priests, you know. Uh, there in Luke chapter 6, verse 11, it says, but they were furious um, at Jesus. They would be furious at the things Jesus would do or the things that Jesus would say. And so it says, they were furious and they began to plot. How can we get Jesus back? And they plotted with each other what they might do to Jesus. And again, that's the thing. Come up with a scheme. Come up with a plot. We're going to get you back. And again, everybody gets angry. We just get angry in different ways. And every one of us kind of expresses that anger in one 
of four of those ways. Sometimes it's a variation and a combination um, of those four ways. But again, all of those ways are learned responses. Now, the good news is if they're learned responses, they can be unlearned, right? If, if we've been trained in a certain way to respond, we can be untrained in the wrong way and retrained in the right way. And so what are some ways we can effectively deal with our anger? I'm going to just briefly kind of go through um, three. First is stop and think before you react. For a lot of us, 90% of what we're dealing with uh, in, in the ways our anger is being expressed would be alleviated if we would just stop and think before we respond. When we get angry, have you noticed oftentimes our mouth is running long before our brain um, is engaged? When you get angry, you need to put your mind in gear. You need to start putting the thinking process in place before you open your mouth. That's why James chapter 1, verse 19 kind of encourages us. And again, he's writing to believers here. And James says, my dearest brothers and sisters, he's talking to us. He says, take this. Take what I'm about to say to you to heart. Be quick to listen slow to speak, and be slow to become angry for human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. So getting is saying stop and think before you react or respond. Proverbs 13, 16 says, sensible people always think before they act. Proverbs 16, 23 says, intelligent people think before they speak. And we want to be sensible. We want to be wise and intelligent people. So it would be wise for us to stop and to think before we react. How many times have you said or done something in anger and five minutes later, you look back at that and think, why in the world did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I respond like that? Oftentimes, it's because we just didn't take time to think, to stop and to think and to meditate, to ask God, how should I respond in this? And oftentimes when we don't take that time to stop, we kind of just say or do the first thing that comes to mind. And again, oftentimes that's the last thing we should be doing. Thomas Jefferson once said, if you're angry, count to 10. If you're really angry, count to 100. That still works today more than anything else. We just need to buy ourselves some time. So when you start to get angry, you kind of just stop, take a break. Maybe you kind of just get away from the person, get away from the situation, and just ask God, help me to respond in a way that's going to honor you, a way that's going to honor uh, this person. I know some of you think that when you have kind of, you know, uh, gotten very angry, or maybe you've lost control, and, and you know, you're kind of just exploding, and you're saying to yourself right now, I just can't help myself. I just can't control it. Can I just tell you that's a bunch of baloney? And can, I, and can I just prove it to you? How many of you have ever found yourself in this situation? You are so angry. Maybe you're yelling, you're screaming at your wife, you're throwing things. Maybe you're yelling and screaming at the kids. I mean, you're just letting it fly and, and everybody's trying to run for cover. I mean, you are just exploding 
And then the phone rings and you answer it and what do you say? Hello? See, we can control that. Anger is a controllable response. The issue is we just don't want to control it. Oftentimes, we want to blame other people. Oh, if it wasn't for so-and-so, if it wasn't for my wife, if it wasn't for my, you know, uh, my boss, if it wasn't for the children, if it wasn't for the dog, we want to blame everybody else but ourselves. And the number one most important step that you can take in learning to control your anger is you've got to take responsibility. It is first and foremost an issue about you. It is not about someone else. We oftentimes make it uh, that way, but again, oftentimes it's more about what's going on inside um, of us. Second way to deal with anger is just learn to relax. Learn to relax. I've had to kind of really practice that a lot myself these last few weeks, you know, just having to be up at the Mayo Clinic and, you know, really kind of just going through everything that we're going through, never knowing what the next day holds and, you know, just all the tension um, in, in dealing with that situation, dealing with the doctors, dealing with my dad, you know, and all of the things that, that are happening there. And I can just start to feel tension kind of starting to rise up in me, you know, that frustration um, that you have, um, and, and it's just so, I, I'm having to learn to relax. Proverbs 14.30 says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. So there's a benefit in learning to relax. Have you noticed when you're uptight, you're just more prone to anger? It kind of just comes on you a lot easier, and that's because temper and tension, they're always found together. And if you want to learn to reduce your anger, and if you really want to, you know, hit the root, we've just got to learn how to relax. Um, so let me give you just kind of a, a few tensions. So be aware of when the tension is building in your life. Just be aware. You know, again, there, there are just times where I will just start to feel the tension starting to build up in me. And I know that I, I just got to find a way to let that tension go. Sometimes, you know, one of the great things about being up at Mayo is it's a huge hospital and there's a lot of halls to walk up there. You know, so sometimes for me, it's just getting out of that room, getting out of that situation, and I'll just kind of go for a, a walk. It, it gives me an opportunity just to get into a different environment. It just gives me an opportunity to try to clear my mind um, and, my, and my thinking. So, um, again, just be aware when that tension's building up um, in your life. Uh, second, learn some relaxation techniques. Um, I know sometimes, you know, just getting off by yourself and just kind of closing your eyes and maybe just getting focused on the Lord, maybe breathing, you know, kind of sometimes just, you know, deep breathing in deeply. Uh, sometimes, again, that just kind of helps um, to relax us. Um, maybe it's just, again, like I said, exercise, taking a walk, you know, getting away from that situation, getting away from that person. Doctors tell us that aerobic exercise, walking, running, jogging, swimming, 
all of that can kind of relieve tension and stress. And again, that, those are much better options than lashing out and screaming at and being angry with those around you or internalizing all of that and getting an ulcer. For some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is go out of here and start an exercise program. All of us live in very, very, you know, a, a tense rat, you know, rat race filled society and we just need to find ways to blow off and to let off that steam and tension. So again, learn some relaxation techniques. It will lengthen your life. Third is develop a sense of humor. Learn to laugh. Learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to laugh at things around you. Uh, as I said to you, my sister is a RN, and uh, she's been pretty much with me throughout these last several weeks with my dad. And my sister and I are very, very close. And one of the things that we kind of share is we both really have the same twisted, demented uh, sense of humor. And so oftentimes, these last several weeks, when we find ourselves in a really, really stressful situation, we just kind of find a way. We find something um, that we can kind of just laugh about. Um, I know the other day, um, coming out of the out of the hospital, um, I had turned a corner too too quickly, and I ran into a post. And you know, uh, we just both just started laughing hysterically. So there were just things that were always kind of happening, but God always provided kind of a way or something that would happen or something that one of us would say that would just cause the other one to just start laughing. And so again, it's it's just you know, keep a sense of humor. Don't try to take everything. Don't try to take yourself um, too serious. So again, uh, the, 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 the more that you can just learn to relax, learn to laugh. Um, so the final way uh, to deal with anger is continually ask God for help. And that's really, again, what the series is about. God, help me. That God, there's only, there's only so much I can do. There's only so much others can do. But God, you can do above and beyond all that I could think, ask, or need. So ask God continually for help. Again, the most important point. Paul says in Galatians 5.22, he said, the fruit of the Spirit. One of the ways the Holy Spirit will manifest itself in you is through love, joy, peace, patience. There's nine of them, but I'm just going to give you the first four. Love, joy, peace, patience. You know what? If you start to allow God to just begin to manifest and fill you with love, joy, peace, patience, you know what? There's not a whole lot of room for anger when you're filled with love, joy, peace, and patience. If I were to take a tube of toothpaste, open the cap, and slam my fist on that toothpaste tube, what's going to come out? Toothpaste. If I were to take a packet of ketchup or mayonnaise and slam my fist on that, what is going to come out of that? Ketchup or mayonnaise, right? Whatever is in you is going to come out of you. And anytime the world kind of presses you, anytime the world kind of pushes down hard on you, what is on the inside of you is going to come out. And you know what? As believers, when the world presses in on us, I don't know about you, but I know when it does me, I want love, joy, peace, and patience to come out of me because what's in you is going to come out of you. And that's the way it is with us as people. When the world puts pressure on us, 
When we're in the squeeze, whatever's on the inside of us is gonna come out. I wanna just close with this one final point here. Um, Anger is a warning light for deeper issues that you have that you need to deal with in your life. Anger is kind of one of those warning lights that will go off on the dashboard of our life. Anger, again, it's just kind of a sign. It's a warning light flashing. There are deeper root issues in your life that need to be dealt with. I learned this um, in my own personal life over these last few years. I shared, you know, parts of my life journey with you guys, some things that happened to me in different areas of, of abuse. And because I didn't know how to deal with a lot of that, because I didn't understand the whys and the wherefores of all of that, I just had a lot of anger build up in me um, over uh, the course of my life. I didn't know how to express that. I didn't know how to deal with that. And so I was kind of one of those people that would keep the anger inside of me kind of bottled up. Um, And then whenever Janie or or someone would kind of begin to talk about issues that were going on inside of me, when they would kind of get close to those issues uh, that were very, very painful for me, those kinds of root issues I didn't want to talk about, I didn't want to deal with, I didn't want to admit that they were there. Whenever anybody got close to those areas, those issues, one of the ways I would respond is just with intense anger because It was a way to push them back. It was a way to protect myself, to guard myself of not wanting to deal with those deeper, darker root issues that were really, uh, that were really uh, uh, fueling all of this deep, intense anger um, that I had over a year ago when I finally just got to that place where I just opened up and I surrendered and I just asked God to come in and to heal my heart, to deliver me from this intense anger, I started to find a lot of healing um, in those deep areas, those deep places of pain in my life. And I continue that journey today and it is a journey that will probably take me the rest of my life. One of the interesting dynamics for me, and I was sharing this with Janie about a month ago, um, is that this very, very deep um, anger that I had, um, it was very, very intense. It was very deep. It was very consuming, and it was very pervasive. And what I found was, you know, um, since I've been delivered of that and that anger is no longer so intense and so deep and so overwhelming and so pervasive, when I got rid of that intense anger, what I discovered was I'm able to start feeling other emotions. I, I wasn't able to feel any other emotion, good or bad, because there was just this deep, intense, pervasive, overriding sense of just deep anger. And I realized when I I got rid of that, I could start recognizing and feeling and identifying other emotions. So I would have something happen, and all of a sudden, rather than feeling the anger, I would start to feel, oh, that's fear. And I I was able to recognize, identify, and begin to deal with that. 
Oh, that's shame. Oh, that's guilt. Oh, that's happiness. Oh, that's excitement. I couldn't feel any of these other emotions with that intense anger. And it was when I began to deal with those root issues that were driving and fueling that deep anger, I was able to kind of begin to experience, to identify and deal with other emotions. A couple months ago in this service, um, some of you maybe were here and remember, there was a lot of people getting up and down uh, in the service. There was just a lot of in and out. I think I stopped like twice. I tried to address the issue and it just continued happening and I just stopped and I just prayed um, and I was, uh, I was angry um, and as I kind of worked through that, what I began to realize was I wasn't angry, I was feeling rejected. I thought people getting in and out of their seats, up and down, in and out, I just felt like they didn't care about what I had to say. And so uh, because I dealt with and experienced a lot of rejection in my own life, that's what I was feeling. But see, because of anger, I, I would never ever be able to understand or to know or to identify that what I'm really feeling is rejection. And that's not what you were doing. You weren't rejecting me, but that's what I was feeling. And so I responded in anger. Now, and now that I've dealt with the anger, I have that ability now to say, no, that, that's not anger. That was rejection. And, and you weren't rejecting me. And so it's helping me to learn to grow um, in my maturing, in my walk with the Lord. And all of us have areas like that that God wants to work in, to free us and to give us a victory in. Uh, I want to just close with this uh, verse. Um, and Jesus says, uh, my peace I give you. My peace. Jesus said, this isn't peace like what the world knows or has. He said, this is a peace the world knows not of. This is a peace the world will never experience apart from me. And he said, my peace I give unto you. And Paul said, it is that peace that Jesus gives us that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This morning, if you're dealing with anger issues, God wants to give you peace in those places. God wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you healing in those areas. Amen. Let's stand together and pray. Father, again, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, that we all share something in common, even with our brother Jesus, and that is we all experience anger. But unlike Jesus, many times, Father, the way that we deal with our anger, the way we respond oftentimes is not how Jesus responded. And sometimes, Father, we kind of react and we respond to people in ways that are not healthy, that are destructive. And Father, we just want to come this morning and again, God, we want to just ask for your help in this area. Father, as believers who are filled with the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, that that fruit of the Spirit, that work that you want to do in us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Father, that you want to work those into us. 
that God, when the world presses in and squeezes us, God, that that's what comes out of us is your peace, your love, your joy, your patience, your kindness, your goodness. And so, Father, this morning, again, we want to just turn to you. And we ask you, Father, to do that work in us that you desire to do, that you would deliver us from that anger. And, Father, that you would help us when we do become angry, God, not to sin with that. And so, Father, again, we just thank you, Lord. And I, I just come against any pride here this morning. And again, pride would tell you that you have anger, you just don't want to admit it. That maybe there's fear in here this morning. We come against fear. That fear that tells us that God can't or won't help us. That God won't give us what we need to overcome our anger. And so, Father, we come against fear that you are who you say you are and you'll do what you say you'll do. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, again, as I have found freedom, as I have found victory from that intense, that overwhelming, that pervasive anger that, God, as you delivered me, you can deliver others. And so, Lord, we just come this morning totally yielded, open, broken, surrendered, searching, and asking for help that only you can give. So, Father, I just pray for those this morning that are struggling in places of anger. The Father, your power, your presence would show up in those places. That your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, God, would begin to flow in to those deep recesses of pain, of anger, that God, you would again, as you have begun a good work in us, the Bible says, that Father, we thank you that you're committed to finishing and to completing that process in us to make us more and more like Jesus. And Father, we thank you for that. In his precious name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.